Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our third edition with my new friend, Jamie Englehart. And what a graceful guy he is. I asked him to do one podcast interview, and now we're on our third one. And uh, (laughs) so, Jamie, welcome back, and thanks for doing one more with me. My privilege. Thanks again. Oh, you're most welcome. We've talked to some about the Old Testament and people having an incorrect idea of who God is. We've talked about some things that have been going on recently in uh, your life and my life and the church and people around the world. I want to take this last episode and just talk a little bit about what you see going on around the world and where that's taking us, what's what's coming up in the future. We know that right now there's this tremendous grace awakening, unconditional love and inclusion awakening all over the world, which, as we mentioned in the last one, because of technology, we would never have had any idea what's going on across the street, let alone around the world. But now we see it happening all over the world. What do you see? uh, And I'm not asking you to predict the future. Just uh, what do you see yourself happening around the world with and because of this wonderful awakening of who God really is? I believe we're in a third reformation. I absolutely believe that this is a whole nother reforming of getting back. You know, I I get accused quite often of coming up with new stuff all the time. (laughs) And I always tell people, I said, actually, what you believe is the new. What I'm talking about is the ancient. You know, the the first 400 years of the church and how they thought and how they believed and when you go study church history and and the heart that they had for humanity and their heart and putting a focus on father, I really believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me in 1999. And he said in the first few decades of the new millennium, he was going to strip from the church everything he never told her to do. And I've watched how things that worked in the 80s and 90s, once we hit into the 2000s, that stuff just didn't work anymore. There was a day where, you know, you could start a church and as long as you had good music and good preaching and a good something going on with the kids, you know, I mean, you, you could grow a church. Well, now everything is shifting and changing. People are not swallowing what they used to swallow. These millennials and, and Z especially, they don't believe anything you tell them. They go look it up for themselves. They're actually being good Bereans because they were, they're the only generation raised in the information age. We were raised in the industrial age. We weren't raised with a computer in our hand. I have one of my fathers in the faith, one of my apostles, he makes the statement all the time. He said, never tell your children when I was your age. He said, because you were never their age. You were their years, but you were never their age. Uh. You were raised in a different age than they were. You know what a six-year-old goes through, but you don't know what a six-year-old in 2021 goes through, which is extremely different. You know, like my dad would tell the story, you know, man, when I went to school, I had to walk two miles. 
You know, well, I told my kids a story. I had to walk three blocks to get on the bus. My kids would look at me and say, we never walked anywhere. You drove us where we needed to go. You know, it's like every generation is so different and they're raised in a different time, a different season age, which is why, you know, we're never going to be able to fully relate to a millennial when it comes to the age because they were raised with a phone in their hand. They could learn the world out. I mean, I, I hand the phone to my little granddaughter and she gets stuff out of it. I don't even know what's in there. You know, I mean, I'm like, I, I don't even know how to get to this stuff. And at two years old, she was flying right through it. It's like they're born knowing this stuff. But the other thing I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me about when we hit 2020, of course, everybody, you know, especially anybody that's prophetic, they're like, oh, it's a year of vision. You know, I didn't hear nothing about vision. I kept hearing hindsight is 2020. But the greatest revelation coming to the church is not what God is about to do, but what he's already done. But the more we get a revelation where we in the new covenant aren't as much looking forward as we are looking backwards. We're looking back at what was already completed and finished. And that's why Evangelion, gospel or good news, well, the news up until 25, 30 years ago was a newspaper or news that you heard of what happened the day before. You know, news was, I mean, we now have live breaking news because we have, you know, we have Instagram, we have Facebook live and, and you can get what's going on right at that moment. That didn't exist till 25, 20, 25 years ago. And so I remember as a kid having to read the newspaper to find out what happened the day before. And so the good news is not about what happened today or tomorrow. It's what happened in a yesterday and what's already completed. But then when we hit 2020, a lot of people were asking me, you know, because I, I oversee a lot of young leaders in churches. And of course, they're they're full of questions. I mean, they wear me out sometimes with all the questions, which I've learned to love, but they wear you out. But they said, well, what do you believe God is saying for the decade? You know, we not only just went into the year 2020, but we stepped into a new decade. And I really prayed about that. And, and I felt one thing Holy Spirit spoke to me about was the 20th century was a focus on the Holy Spirit. It was like God was restoring all the gifts that were lost and the power back to the church and fivefold ministry and everything else. Then when we hit the new millennium, it was a refocus on Jesus the last 20 years, which is why grace has come to the forefront because grace is a person. Grace is not, you know, a thing or an event. But that the next 10 to 20 years, the Holy Spirit is still going to obviously be a huge part. Jesus is going to stay central but we're about to step into a revelation of the father that what Jesus came to reveal. And what I mentioned in the, when we talked in the last podcast about, you know, the Jews, God started in the garden as Hashem Elohim as father God. And then when the serpent came and deceived Adam and Eve about who God was and who they were, there was this whole thing where all through the old Testament, it wasn't about Abba. It wasn't about father. It was servants and slaves. No one was called son of God. They were called sons of man. And it shifted everything. But then Jesus came and his main message was, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. I have come to reveal the father. In my father's house are many rooms. In my father's kingdom. It's my father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom over and over. Teach us how to pray. You know, and when Jesus said, teach us how to pray, he was speaking to no one who is redeemed, no one who is born again. There was no quote unquote Christians. And he told them, when you pray, pray our father. In other words, he was father to people that didn't know that he was their father. And he said, when you pray, pray this way. Jesus refocused everything. 
He said, I do nothing but that which I see my father do. I say nothing but that which I see my father say. So when Jesus would be standing with James and John and they want to call fire out of heaven, they were singing the song, these are the days of Elijah. And, you know, and Jesus rebukes them. And he's like, no, these are not the days of Elijah. And in other words, daddy and I, we had nothing to do with that. All right. Daddy and I, we got blamed for calling down fire and killing people. We gave Elijah and Elisha an authority and a grace and anointing to call down fire and a sacrifice. They, out of their own fear and insecurity, started calling down fire on people and then blaming it on us, you know, because God gives gifts and take them back. And how many people have used gifts God has given them, not of their own insecurities and fear, they used them and perverted them. So the same thing with Jesus saying the thief steals, kills and destroys. And he said, but daddy and I, we've come for one thing, life and life to the full. In other words, anytime you read about my dad killing, stealing, and destroying, that wasn't my dad. <laughs> that, that's not who we were. That They misconstrued. They blamed everything on my father that my father had nothing to do with. Jesus came to clear up all of our wrong conceptions about who God was. Yeah, and he said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And in chapter 9, before that, in the first nine verses of chapter 10, the thief is religion. Absolutely. Well, and that's one of my myths, by the way, also in, in, in my book. It's, uh, the thief is the devil. It's like, no, yeah. I said the thief was religion. Now, it doesn't mean that the devil doesn't steal, kill, and destroy and do all that. But even in the Old Testament, there was no Satan or Hasatan is what the, the Jews called them, until like Second Chronicles. They grew in their theology. Their first thousand years of Judaism, they believed good, bad, and ugly. Everything came from God. That's why Job right. would say the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. We yeah. know, reading the story, it was Satan that took away, not God, uh, You know, which is why in Samuel, it says uh, God told David to number Israel. Then you get over to Second Chronicles, and the scribes are looking at the story 400 years later, and their theology had changed. They began to believe in a Satan. If there was death and destruction, it wasn't God, it was Satan. And so they write the same story down, and they look, and they say, you know what? Thousands of people died when David did that. God didn't tell David that. Satan told David that. Right. You know, and, and, and so, but people say, well, that's a complete contradiction in the Bible. It's like, no, their theology was growing. You know, it's like Paul in the New Testament in Acts 15 at the Jerusalem Council. He's like, OK, I'm going to agree with you. Gentiles don't eat food offered idols. They don't you know, they don't eat, uh, you know, anything that has blood in it. But then, you know, you go over to Colossians and Galatians 20 years later, Paul's like, I just eat it. You, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Why? Because this theology about God was growing. I mean, right. you know, the God I preached 20 years ago is not the same God I preach today. And it's yeah. not that God changed. My perception of him did. Absolutely. And I believe where the body of Christ is heading is we put this refocus on Jesus again as the foundation of the church. And, you know, the truth is the church for a lot of years, really, it was the heresy of the Colossians. They cut off the head. They removed the head. And we finally put Jesus back as the head again. He's the focus. He is who God is like. He is the one that teaches us what Abba is like and what a human is supposed to be like and the focus back on him, but he put the focus on his father. And so I believe this revelation of the father heart of God and that God is good. Cause I mean, I run into people all the time. God sits me on airplanes all the time next to atheists. And what I found is most atheists started in the church. The church made them atheist because rather than answer their questions, we didn't know how to answer them. Or we didn't really have the understanding. 
And the number one question is, I had an atheist tell me not too long ago. He said, I don't really have an issue with Jesus. He said, if people live like Jesus, it would make the world a better place. Enemy love, putting others first. I mean, he's like, you know, man, what Jesus taught was beautiful. He said, but his father is another story. You know, his father is worse than Zeus and worse than Hitler. And, you know, he believed in genocide and infanticide and, and, you know, I mean, sex slavery. And I mean, just crazy stuff all over the Old Testament. And I looked at him and I, and I said to him, I said, well, I said, God has always been exactly like Jesus. We just didn't know that. We didn't understand it. The men of the Old Testament that wrote, they wrote with the understanding they had of God, but it was fully revealed in Christ. No man has seen God at any time until Jesus, who came from the Father, revealed him. And so Jesus came to clear up. I mean, even John 1, in the beginning was the Logos. The word Logos means logic and reasoning. And so man logically had been trying to figure out who God was for nearly 5,000 years. So God said, listen, y'all keep messing it up. I'm going to send my logic to you. All right. And this is who I logically am. If you've seen Jesus, now you've seen me. I'm going to clear up. I'm going to reason together with you. You know, I was raised in the charismatic world and we made fun of reason. I mean, if you were a person that used your mind and your brain and you used reason, reason is an enemy of faith. But yet God said, let, come let us reason together. God is yeah. not against us yeah. reasoning. I, I actually had one pastor tell me one time, he said, you know, you have a high level principality because of all the questions you ask. <laughs> like literally, like I had a high level demon because I was asking difficult questions that he didn't have an answer to. And I was like, seriously, I was like, that's one of the craziest things that I've, that I've, that I've ever heard. I'm like, so, you know, you don't have an answer. So I've got a demon. So, you know, it's just crazy. It is. When people tell me that they're an atheist, the Lord will lead me exactly how to do this. But in some form or another, I get them to say, well, you don't believe in God that's angry and punitive and all this kind of stuff. Right. I said, I don't believe in that God either. I'm an atheist to that God. I mean, who? Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. Now, let me tell you about Jesus' Father, who's all good (laughs) and who's always loved you. That's a little bit different than saying you're abominable. God can't stand to look at you. And Dad Gemmett, if you don't do what I say, he's going to toast you forever. Oh, well, tell me more about that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you're you're as as Martin Luther said, you're snow covered dung, you know, or yeah. as, as a famous Calvinist today, John Piper says that Jesus is our asbestos suit that protects us against the white, hot, fiery wrath of God. Yeah. I was talking with a new friend this week who's uh and my apologies to our listeners. I'm going to say a bad word here. It's not bad to me anymore, but it may be to you. But I was talking to this friend in North Carolina, a great guy, and he has a real Southern accent. And, you know, every word has two or three syllables. And we were talking about how uh, some people say, uh, well, God doesn't send people to hell. They choose to go there. He said, that just ain't right, brother. He said, if you sit in front of me, a piece of chocolate cake with all the great icing in the world, and you set in front of me a piece of shit, I'm not going to choose the piece of shit. <laughs> I'm going to, I said, can I quote you on that? And he said, hell yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, we, we're laughing and we do love it, but it, I mean, that's the truth. I mean, who's going to choose? <laughs> 
<laughs> Who's going? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well, and, and I, I personally believe, quote unquote, gospel that most people heard wasn't the actual gospel. Oh no. And, and so most people, I believe, have not rejected Jesus or rejected the Father. They've rejected the form of Jesus and Come Father. On that's now. Yeah, that's exactly and right. So you know, I, what I found is when I actually give the true good news to somebody, and the good news is that you were reconciled 2,000 years ago. God brought you into favor. He's not counting your sin against you. He's not focused on your mess and your issue. He's not wanting to throw you into hell. And all he asks you to do is be reconciled in return. Because once you're reconciled back to him, now it's a two-way reconciliation and you get to enjoy the benefits of what that reconciliation produced. That's why if you don't believe it, it's still true, but you don't get to, if you don't appropriate it by faith, you don't get to enjoy the benefits of it. And the only people who don't like to hear that are religious people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's people's view of God is punitive. Yeah rather than restorative. I mean, they, you know, I mean, parents don't punish their kids. We correct Mm -hmm. our kids. You know, the idea that God is punitive and, you know, it's like people always bring up justice to me. Yeah, but God is just. And I'm like, yeah, but even in the Old Testament, Zechariah 7, 9 tells us, practice true justice declares the Lord, which is mercy and compassion. So even God's idea of justice. I mean, you know, the one verse that Christians quote all the time when they don't have an answer to somebody, you know, when someone asks them a question and they don't know the answer, they say, well, you know, God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But when you go back to that passage in Isaiah, in its context, it's God talking about how merciful he is to sinners. (laughs) When he's saying my ways aren't your ways, I'm more I'm better yeah, than you are. Come on I'm now. Better than you are. <laughs> yeah. His ways are better than we can ever imagine. And every day he reveals to us how much better they are than we thought the day before. <laughs> I, I really see as we're moving forward, I know there's some stuff I've believed for 20 years that I've not publicly talked about. I would sit and talk with preachers about it and mature people about it and sons and daughters of people that have asked me questions. But I'm watching, it's like as the church has been shifting. You know, we got a revelation, first of all, of grace in the last 20 years, and people are getting a revelation of his love. People are open to shifting their eschatology because once they get a revelation of God's grace, they're like, wait a minute. You know, I mean, how is Rambo Jesus coming back, line up with the Jesus I'm being talked about here, you know? And so then they're getting a different idea there, which then leads them to questioning hell because most of the hell verses are eschatological. It's talking about, you know, Gehenna is talking about Jews in Jerusalem in 70 AD. Once people get a revelation of that, then they start questioning infallibility and, and all that. And it leads them down this whole road to get to this pureness of the Bible doesn't lead us into all truth. Jesus said the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. And it doesn't mean he doesn't use the scriptures. The scriptures are still very important. Uh, we love them. He breathes on them fresh and, and calls them to come alive in our heart and life. But I think what's changing is that for years, especially in America, we produce Biblians rather than Christians. We produce people that could quote the Bible to you up one side and down the other while they're screaming at sinners. Yeah. And we miss the whole point. And the whole point is living yeah. like Jesus, loving your enemies. It's yeah. blessing that harm you. I had an old friend reading my stuff on Facebook, and he said, brother, you need to let go of this God is love thing and get back to the Bible. (laughs) I'm I'm thinking, 
I don't even know how to answer that. <laughs> so I didn't. But <laughs> well, since Paul said love is the fulfillment of the law. So, I mean, love fulfills the whole thing. It's like, how do you, how do you get away from love? It's crazy. I know. But I was there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I was too. I was too. Hard preachers. And I'd say that, that greasy grace, that love stuff. You know, the Jesus I serve went into the temple and kicked tail. That's the one I serve. I, I serve that Jesus. And then, you know, once I had that encounter with the love of God, man, I went back and read those verses and read them in context and understood, man, that was a prophetic act. The whip wasn't for humans. It was to drive the animals out. Yeah. You know, I mean, just it changes how you do everything. And, and that's happening right now across the body of Christ. It is. More and more people are embracing this. More and more churches I go in are being open to this like never before. People are asking questions like never before. And it's where we're heading. And, and you know, I've said for years, religion and tradition die screaming. And the folks that are screaming the most and trying to rebuke all this the most are the ones that are, are the ones kicking and screaming on the way into it. But the truth is, uh, God is all in all and he's going, he's going to fill all in all. And he is going to reconcile all things to himself. And I'm, I'm yeah. just honored to be alive right now. Well, me too. And that takes all the pressure off, doesn't it? I think you said that in the, about our relationships with other people. I, once we know ultimate reconciliation, once we know the Father's heart, once we know love never fails, once we know one-way love that you mentioned in the first one, it takes all the pressure off. It's freeing. It frees us to love without judgment. Those things rear their ugly heads uh, in me from time to time. But less and less, uh, the more I choose to listen to the spirit of truth in me. And it is a great time. I'm really grateful to be alive today. And and I'm grateful to meet new friends like you. And gosh, I hope I can come and see you in Peculiar, Missouri in the fourth week in August, which uh, will actually be about when uh, these podcasts post. I'm a couple of months ahead of time, so maybe people will hear these and come to Peculiar and get <laughs> Peculiar with us. Love it. <laughs> Jamie, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time and for doing three episodes, and I look forward to getting to know you better and spending more time with you. Absolutely. Same. Thank you. And thank you all for being with us for these three episodes with Jamie Englehart and me. I really appreciate that. I know you do too. I'll see you next time on Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.